0: This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Roshan Senanayake. What's up, listeners? Welcome to season four of Inspiring Design with Roshan Senanayake. This is where the best of the best brands, experts, change makers, and thought leaders come together to share their valuable insights, experience, and knowledge, all centered around the growth sector in advanced manufacturing within Industry 4.0, encompassing various industries, technologies, skills, knowledge, trends, as well as stakeholders, all the while linking it back into education, within schools and universities what's up listeners welcome to today's episode and we have one hell of a tech talk in store for you today today's episode is all about bespoke steel fabrication alongside technology integration best of all the special guest for today can literally be described in one word incredible i have here with me dr vito Bertazzi from watkins steel Vitor is a robotics engineer with academic experience working in cutting-edge projects encompassing industrial automation, mobile robots, and advanced visualizations. Vitor's portfolio covers 20 years of experience developing applications in the domains of building information modeling, also known as BIM, enterprise software for the stock exchange market and research, not to mention robotics applied to industrial automation and participation within international robotics competitions. His experience was developed over years of working for major financial institutions within Europe, research centers in South America, and supporting the automotive industry, government, renewable energies within Australia. Best of all, Vitore is now leading the R&D department at Watkins Steel Group. So there's a lot to learn from this man. Let's get straight into it. Vitor, welcome to Inspiring Design. Can we start off with a little bit of background on yourself? What's your story? I know you've got a very interesting one. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Thanks for the opportunity of being here with you guys. Um, Yeah, uh, my journey in uh, robotics and automation started back in 2000, uh, when I was finishing my bachelor's in IT. Uh, At that stage, I learned from my father that a new research center has been like started in Uh, in Brazil, Mm -hmm. uh, next where I live. And my father, like, uh, suggested me to go there and introduce myself with my CV and see if I could find a trainee position. Uh, At that time, the Cooperative of Industries in Brazil uh, created this center uh, to support uh, Ford Models And I arrived there, knocked the door and showed my CV. Uh, Ended up finding, like, an opportunity to start the trainee at the center. Uh, That was the time where I found My first contact with robotics uh, because the center was just getting started and I had the opportunity to to assist with the installation of the new equipment arriving and because I was assisting with the infrastructure uh, of the center, the IT infrastructure at the time, I quickly uh, had the opportunity to to make friends in the engineering area and all the other researchers that at the time were supporting the development of of the center. So, that was the first time that I learned about a scholarship and uh, about a little bit about robotics, industrial mm-hmm. robotics, and through uh, some uh, friends that at the time were trainees like me, mm-hmm. they introduced me to this concept of how to apply to a scholarship and how to go to further education. Yeah. Um, I used my uh, end-of-the-year project, my TCP project for uh, create uh, this application for uh, my master's in industrial robotics mm-hmm. and apply to uh, this position in uh, mini University in Portugal Wow uh, so that was my uh, first steps into robotics and my opportunity to move to Europe mm-hmm. and have like a, some sort of support if I didn't uh had this first introduction to, to the topic mm-hmm. in, in the CIMATEC Research Center. Yeah, right. So when I arrived in Portugal, it was early times in the Eurozone, like all the European economy was pre-organized, mm-hmm. everybody excited about the Euro. And I found that like uh, exciting and, and very uh, motivating uh, environment to, to dive into research. I've spent two years in Portugal uh, developing my project, which was a master's in science, Mm -hmm. where I was applying like uh, computer-aided design to robotics, uh, Mm -hmm. extracting the boundary information about CAD files Mm -hmm. and using that information to program industrial robots. Uh, I've ended up completing my uh, master's and uh, a friend of mine introduced me to his brother which was like a civil engineer mm-hmm. that was starting a software company in lisbon mm-hmm. so from my masters i ended up staying another year mm-hmm. in portugal mm-hmm. uh, to to work in this startup uh, creating uh, cad viewers that could visualize and display uh beam information right so when i finished to uh when i, when I completed these projects at the beam modeling for the civil engineering industry I decided to move to Italy uh, to learn more about my uh, father's background. Uh, my father's Italian, mm-hmm. and that was my first motivation to leave Brazil at the time, yeah. to learn, bo- learn more about my roots and, and to learn Italian and to dive into uh, my, uh, my past and,
0: and learn more about my family, yeah. the, the Italian side of family. So similarly, myself, actually your accent is a mix of Multiple different nationalities. I love it.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and like moving from Brazil to Italy doesn't help much because yeah. I think <laughs> I think the Italians have the worst accent when they try to speak English, and yeah. I've just mixed <laughs> the Brazilian with the Italian accent because. Um, and then English was my like fourth language that I learned. Wow. So yeah, I end up with this weird accent, but that's the best I can do.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So what made you come to Australia? And what, when, when did that happen?
1: Um, that's a good question. Um, the way it happened is like I was at the time like moving between the Portuguese culture and the Italian one, learning a new language mm-hmm. and trying to uh, firm my position as a software developer in Europe. I was seeking like a solid experience in software development, mm-hmm. and I ended up like finding a really good opportunity uh, to work in, in a couple of big projects uh, for financial markets in, in mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I moved to Italy, I first uh, worked for General Insurance, and I was assisting them as a database analyst, uh, assisting to generate reports uh, about uh, insurance policy information Mm -hmm. uh, and doing small uh, bug fixes uh, using Java. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was a job that was very repetitive and not very intellectually stimulating. uh, And that's the reason why I decided to move and search for another opportunity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the second... uh, opportunity working in the software industry, I ended up working for Italian Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great project and one of my best experience working in agile environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that project was like an end-to-end agile environment uh, with stakeholders flying from London to meet us wow. uh, in, on a weekly basis because it was like a, a project that was uh, commissioned by London Stock Exchange in partnership with Italian Stock Exchange, mm-hmm. so we developing at the time both sites, like mm-hmm. London Stock Exchange and Italian Stock Exchange portals, and like it was like a great experience working with like top engineers mm-hmm. uh, from different areas, from back end to front end, uh, talking about user interface and how to make the data available for the clients uh, to manage their portfolios. Awesome. Yeah, and um, at the end of this project, I was working as a contractor. So it was a good salary. Uh, I was happy in Milan, um, but uh, I didn't know if I would have an opportunity to stay as a full-time employee after mm-hmm. the contract. Uh, we had like a huge team with very uh, skilled software engineers. At the time, my perception was that I wasn't one of the best so far, mm-hmm. um, which is tricky because just before I moved to Australia, I ended up like on a dinner. Uh, with one of human uh, resources managers from Italian Stock Exchange, which asked me if I was sure that I was going to to move to to Australia for my Mm -hmm. uh, experience overseas, out of Europe and i say yes um, because uh, i was always passionate about like australia it's a beautiful country i've heard a lot of stories about it and i have friends that have moved to australia before me mm-hmm. that was the main reason why i came to australia to explore this new world and yep. explore this new world. I love yeah. it's it. a good way of looking at it yes because australia is is well known about the place of like great opportunities as well mm-hmm. and innovation yeah uh, we have uh, stories of great technologies being developed here in Australia, such as Wi-Fi, yeah. and more recently with joint scanning, uh, leading uh, robotics, mm-hmm. uh, winning uh, very competitive and, and top-of-the-knot competitions around the world. Yeah. So uh, that was like one of the things that stimulated me to come around and, and learn more about this beautiful country.
0: Awesome, and obviously now you're in Watkins Steel and you're heading up the R&D division as well. So can we talk a little bit about what you do here and, um, and how has the organization Watkins Steel, I know it's a family business that's been around since 1968, I believe. Correct. Um, so they've been doing some really cool things. That's why we're here today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your capabilities, the story behind the company and um, your role here?
1: For sure, it was a great surprise to be invited to to come and join the team at Watkins Steel. Uh, I love the vision of the company. Uh, I've met Des one year ago when he was searching for somebody to assist him to organize and give a little bit more structure to the R&D department. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I arrived here, I found like uh, very talented students that were developing. different projects in different areas mm-hmm. and uh, it was a great opportunity to uh, organize a little bit better uh, the direction of those projects mm-hmm. and document all the information so new students could join the team and start to participate uh, further developing the work that have been started that was started by by the students that like lead uh, the effort at the beginning mm-hmm. for me it was like a, a sweet spot that Mm -hmm. I found because uh, at this job I just found the opportunity to apply all the skills that I developed over 20 years uh, working in software industry as well as in automation uh, mainly in research as I mentioned in the past I have worked in a couple of big enterprise software companies back in Europe and uh, I went through my master's in industrial robotics Mm -hmm. um, When I arrived in Australia, because I'm very curious and I love playing with technology, uh, I found that uh, a robotics event was happening back in Southport in Mm -hmm. 2010. I went there to check out and see what was happening at the time and that's where I end up uh, meeting my supervisor um, and asked him if I could come and have a look at the lab Mm -hmm. at Griffith University Mm -hmm. and that's how I end up starting my PhD. So after having like this solid experience in the software development environment, uh, internationally working in Portugal, Milan, and moving to uh, Australia, I found the opportunity to uh, invest more of my skills in, in the research area. Mm-hmm. So I started uh, my PhD in the field of computer vision, uh, assisting uh, autonomous vehicles to detect the lateral position of the car in respect of the road. Yeah, wow. So I developed uh, an algorithm that was capable to to estimate the lateral position of the car, and and feedback like the control system allowing it to take the decisions wow. in which direction to steer yeah
0: yeah that's incredible talking about what can steel a little bit more in detail what makes you guys unique compared to other steel fabricators especially with the integration of technologies
1: yeah what can steel is it's a very forward-thinking company um at the time they arrived uh, i started here as a robotics engineer mm-hmm. and uh when i arrived I was thinking that that was uh, the main role of main project that I was going to be working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had this uh, robotic welding system that was like under development, and I started to uh, discuss with the students uh, that were here at the time. At the time, we had like one PhD student, uh, which recently uh, moved to UK to mm-hmm. start his postdoc in Oxford University. Wow! So. Um, that's another very interesting uh, characteristic of Watkins Steel is to invest in its own like crew mm-hmm. uh, and, and assist people to further develop their skills. Uh, we had students here that after finished their graduation, they decided to move towards the masters as mm-hmm. well in mechatronics. So I think that's the one of the main uh, advantages mm-hmm. of having your work experience here at Watkins Steel. Yep is this possibility of further developing your skills and finding new opportunities to to apply your knowledge in different areas. When I arrived, I mentioned that I was working the uh, robotics welding application, Mm -hmm. but I very quickly identified a range of other uh, technology that can be used and applied, not just in robotics, but in um, architectural construction. Uh, And more recently, we've been working with like mining infrastructure There are great opportunities at this stage to explore more uh, the application of those new technologies and deliver uh, the real value of digitalization for businesses. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I really want to understand now taking a step back here, discussing the steel industry just as a whole, most people are pretty familiar with it in terms of it's something that we use the material of steel towards various construction purposes but the detailing of mass production versus bespoke steel construction and fabrication is a little bit different. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit about what exactly is steel fabrication at a grassroots level and what's bespoke steel fabrication? Totally,
1: um, as you just mentioned, um, steel fabrication is a process that will transform like steel, right? You get steel in different formats and you can like cut, weld, shape it, bend it, uh, and and this is the first challenge, which is create the product itself. And there is a second challenge, which is to install uh, the product based in the information they receive it from uh, the contractors, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We we are currently one of the biggest uh, subcontractors for steel fabrication in South Queensland, and um, one of the challenges that we face every day is to, manage the results of fabricating steel based in old-fashioned methods for mm-hmm. measurement yeah. and from like 2d drawings as well mm. so at the beginning it was a challenge that ended up give, giving us one of the biggest advantages that we have nowadays mm-hmm. it kind of forced us to invest in technologies that could bring like a high accuracy to our process, and that's when we discover how powerful is uh, using laser scanning technology in your processes. Mm -hmm. This allows us to, from early stage, go to the site, scan the environment, Mm -hmm. and bring all the information back to the office with uh, millimeter accuracy, and then fabricate and create all the solution based in the the most accurate uh, references. Yeah. When we started to apply this type of technology to solve our internal problems at the beginning because we had many issues at the time that we have to discuss with the project managers mm-hmm. and, and double check if yeah. the information that was like passed to us on the paper format was accurate, we learned that the best way we could do this is to scan the site ourselves mm-hmm. and then show the proof that we're fabricating according to the drawings and, and that was the way it was supposed to be correct. So uh, during this process of learning and kind of uh, applying risk mitigation in a very early stage Mm -hmm. to assist our processes, we learned that the industry has this huge gap Mm. uh, that requires an entity Mm to supply a similar service, not just for construction, but for wide area of applications. Yeah. Um, and that's the time when Des decided to start HoloVision. Yeah. HoloVision is the company that was created to manage the digital assets mm-hmm. of Watkins Steel mm-hmm. and found the opportunity in the market to expand uh, its reach and start like uh, assisting other business with problem solving. Uh, in different areas uh, from construction, mining, an industry that we never thought we would be able to work Mm. with or that would have interest in our services. Uh, We have been approached by industries from uh, movies, uh, toys industry as well, people that either needs to to represent the environment surrounding them mm-hmm. or to scan the products uh, and bring it to the right level of accuracy that can be applied to e-commerce or for any other uh, application that they envision uh, creating in supporting innovation.
0: Yeah, and obviously these technologies that you've adopted from Industry 4.0 has given you all these other opportunities. Now, one of the things that I want to understand is exactly what are these technologies, and especially for the listeners coming from an educational point of view, we want to know how these industry four technologies that we hear a lot about, that's mainly in the newspapers and the media article, it's kind of seen as a gimmick sometimes, but you guys are actually applying things on a day-to-day life in your work, within your industry, and now it's actually allowing you to go beyond just the old-school way of working. So can you firstly list what are those technologies that you use on a daily basis?
1: Sure. Um, Here we have a range of different headsets that we can use to create advanced visualizations. We have, for example, like the HoloLens or the Oculus. Um, uh, They devices they assist with advanced visualizations, but with different applications. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we talk about HoloLens, we're talking about like uh, extended reality, which is different from virtual reality. Mm they both can assist us to load information uh, and, and represent uh, projects or products mm-hmm. in a very innovative way, but they serve for different purposes. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about virtual reality, we usually apply VR when we need to create a new environment or when we don't have like all the resources available to to discuss a specific topic. Yeah. Um, an example of applying VR uh, is we've been approached for one of our partners uh, that work in the area of uh, crane. Uh, they provide crane services and, and they have uh, a huge expertise in very heavy lifting st- for steel. Mm-hmm. One of the problems that they face at the time is that they're planning to lift like 30 tons of steel over a very busy highway. Mm-hmm. And they they need assistance to evaluate the right position for the crane to be positioned in a way that it wouldn't affect uh, the highway or the that the lifting wouldn't be risky because yeah. of the surrounding environment, uh, which, which co- it's composed by uh, b- bridges, heritage buildings, and, and the job site itself.
0: Yeah, so it allows you to plan very accurately and simulate things before any of that happens, so it streamlines the process.
1: Exactly, and yeah. that's where HoloVision comes to play, uh, assisting companies to um, create an animation and to evaluate uh, the different position of the assets that are going to be part of that operation. Yeah it that component of risk mitigation. Um, and this is going to, this can, this can create like huge savings for companies. Mm. And we still believe that this technology will still have a huge impact in insurance, for example, yeah. the capability of companies to simulate uh, the operations uh, when risk exists and to discuss uh, the value of the policies or at least reduce the policy based in some studies that have been presented using those type of technologies.
0: Absolutely, and what about mixed reality, robotics, 3D laser scanning, cloud point? All of these technologies are part of your workday. How does mixed reality work within the context?
1: Exactly, uh, there is a clear workflow that we use. Um, at the beginning, usually we send like one of our surveyors with uh, the laser scanning equipment, mm-hmm. and he do a huge number of scans uh, To make sure that we have all the information accurate Mm. and that can be used for the planning. Um, So when he brings all the information to the office, uh, we have a very experienced team um, of draftees and uh, surveyors that can register all the point cloud, Mm -hmm. which means depending on how many scans you have, Mm -hmm. you have different pictures of point cloud in different areas of the site, and for this data to be useful, you have to stitch all that data together mm-hmm. to match the data, making sure that all the point clouds align so you can extend uh, uh, the information that you have in a meaningful way. Yep. So you have like uh, a group of different point clouds mm-hmm. that are the, depends on the number of scans that you have. And you're going to align those point clouds, uh, making sure that the information is accurate and can be used further. After you finish the scans, you can bring this information to the site, and then you're going to decide what's the next step, depending on the application. Mm -hmm. If you want the clients to have um, a very realistic um, experience, you have to mesh that point cloud, Mm. which is going to create a surface Mm -hmm. on the top of the point cloud, and use the pictures that are taken by the equipment to overlay uh, the pictures uh, as a texture on yep. the top of that surface. This way you, you have a very photorealistic uh, experience, and then you can send the client in VR to the site uh, from any office in Australia.
0: Love it, love it. And obviously these kinds of digitalization technologies integrated into your workflow is what makes you guys unique. How did this industry look like, let's say 20, 30 years ago, and where do you think this is gonna go in the next five to 10 years?
1: Steel fabrication is a very traditional industry and it's very secure. And because of that, it's the tendency that people will not change their mm-hmm. workflow because it just works. Yeah. However, uh, we noticed through applying a different workflow and through using all these new technologies, there is a huge room for improvement mm-hmm. and for savings as well. Yeah. Uh, HoloVision came uh, with this new proposition where we could like scan the site and then use that information as uh, in the advantage of the client. Mm-hmm. We have different applications uh, that can be used uh, for different purposes. Uh, as I mentioned before, VR is usually when you want to create uh, a new environment, when you transport the client for a new realm. Mm-hmm. And another very interesting application that we can use is uh, the augmented reality. Mm-hmm. It's when you can load um, a 3D model and still see still see the environment surrounding you. Mm-hmm. This way, you can use uh, the HoloLens for clash detection, for example, you can You can see the future, basically. You can use the headset uh, to load um, a new walkway that links like a parking to the new hospital. Mm. And then you're going to be able to see if the uh, walkway is clashing if with any other element of the environment and address that problem beforehand. So we make sure that when you fabricate it's going to be precise to the millimeter and it's going to fit on site. Yeah. I think it's very important to stress that all this technology exists, but a huge component of the process is the human. So- I'm we, glad you say that. Yeah, we <laughs> have like a very experienced drafting team and team of surveyors that have decades of experience. Mm-hmm. And actually that's where our clients get the best benefit from our technology is because our team is capable to extract the best value from the technology and deliver uh, the projects to the level of accuracy that the client requires.
0: Mm, mm. Where do you think this tech is gonna be in the next few years?
1: The, this technology have, have been um, in the market for like a couple of years, and adoption has been really slow. Maybe one of the reasons for, for the adoption to take that long was the price of the equipment. Mm-hmm. Those headsets used to be yeah. very expensive, but they're getting cheap over time. Um, but another important uh, factor is you need uh, a decent infrastructure mm-hmm. that allows you to deal with the huge amount of data that that's generated with the laser scans. Yeah. So having the headsets, Having your infrastructure ready to accommodate all the data mm-hmm. and with a team that's capable of scan the data, yeah. bring meaningful data to the site, register it properly so yeah. it will make sense, and then reduce or increase the detail required for the data to solve a specific problem. Mm-hmm. I think th- those are the three main uh, aspects of solving a problem using those new technologies,
0: yeah, 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 and I'm glad that you mentioned the human capital because the skills requirement for the adoption of these technologies in, in what we know industries that have been around pretty much since the start of civilization, that's there, there's a massive gap in that at the moment. So I wanna take this conversation into the education realm. Do you think currently the 21st century education system aligns with the adoption of these technologies and where Australia needs to be in the next 5, 10, 20 years? Do you think we're on the right trajectory at the moment, or do you think there needs to be adjustments? If so, where do you think that might be?
1: Um, I believe like the educational organizations, they doing an effort to, to apply those technologies. Um, most of the issues that limit the adoption of the technology by the industry mm-hmm. are similar issues that are faced by educational organizations, um, so the access to the technology people that's capable of teaching uh, the use of the technology in a meaningful way that can be applied to solve uh, specific problems this is an opportunity actually uh, for teachers students they are interested to explore uh, the applications for vr because we are just at that edge of the change mm. many industries get just started to play with the technology yeah and they're still trying to find like, meaning for its use, yeah. and that's one of the things that I loved here when I arrived at Watch Steel in and HoloVision, that I can see this technology applied in our everyday life.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I think that's the important thing because the more, I, I, I personally believe we've just scratched the surface with, when it comes to these technologies. We're still trying to figure out, I think, the possibilities. Early this year, I saw the Chinese New Year was celebrated with a coded QR code over the city of Beijing in the shape of a QR code. So that was a creative use for, towards a mass audience and using a couple of different technologies towards doing that. And I've seen a couple of different cities doing that, but not a QR code now. They're modeling 3D, three-dimensional things, again using the similar sort of creativity. So I think whenever these kinds of technologies are coming through where we're discovering what we're possible Creativity is a big element. How do you think creativity or design thinking, critical thinking, problem solving, all of those elements, all again comes back to the human capital. How do you think that plays a role within your industry? Yeah,
1: I'm a big advocate on the exploration of new ways of solving problems Mm -hmm. and the the application of creative uh, exercises together with uh, everyday activities. Um, I think that they can boost uh, the capability of workers and students as well to solve problems, to get out of the box and, and face uh, everyday problems in a different way. Yeah, I truly believe that this is the best way for us to find uh, concrete, applications and new solutions through those technologies. Yeah. We know that it's very important for for workers that are interested in playing with like robotics and augmented reality, virtual reality mm-hmm. uh, to go through the STEM mm-hmm. um, subjects because they will give you like a solid basis for you to experiment and to to learn how sensors interact with the environment. Mm-hmm and how to program a robot and and Mm. make it move in a way that's going to be meaningful, that can complete a process. I think one of the approaches that could be improved uh, in the education sector is to find uh, more meaningful ways of showing the students how important it is to learn mathematics and how fun it is to use mathematics. Mm, mm. Simple things like explaining for them uh, and making analogies that a sensor works, a laser or like an ultrasound sensor, for example, works based in the speed of the sound Mm -hmm. that travels through the air. And an analogy that you can do for that is when you drop a rock in a pool, mm-hmm. you're going to see the waves propagating through the pool, they're yep. going to hit the wall and yep. bounce back. Yep. So math is used in those cases to, to calculate uh, the time of flight, Yeah, that's a technical term, mm-hmm. how the wavelength going to travel over the environment, yep. hit an object, bounce back yeah. and then the sensor is going to uh, detect the distance between the sensor itself and the object that's being measured. And this yeah. can be applied uh, in ultrasound, laser and many other uh, uh, sensors. Mm. So uh, if we have the opportunity to bring this awareness for the stud- to the students, I believe the learning process will become much more fun and they will get much more excited to apply those uh, math skills, trying to solve problems in yeah. the everyday life. Yeah. And
0: I think that's valuable advice because that, that's what our educators need to be doing. And I think if we can basically harness the power of the educator and give this information to them, they can then keep putting that in front of the future, future innovators in the steel fabrication industry, for example. So, what are your thoughts on work integrated learning? Obviously, um, VET, Um, will programs, they actually have more integration with the workforces, especially within the trades. What are your thoughts on its importance and do you have any advice for those sectors?
1: Yeah, I strongly encourage like um, that organizations, universities to uh, to be in contact with like industry Mm. and, and foment these environments of like learning supported by the industry. We can see through our work integrated learning program that uh, great ideas come up from students that are still like finishing their graduation or starting a master's. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they are the ones that have the fresh minds. They're coming up to speed with the latest technology and they, they like, they're thirsty for applying that technology in real problems. Yeah. Um, so our experience working with students uh, have been amazing. Uh, we have been um, thrilled with like the, the solutions in, in potential applications that the students have developed here at mm-hmm. Watkins Steel in Holovision. Mm-hmm. And like, we can't wait for more. Uh, I, I constantly uh, contact like uh, universities and, and we have like a, a great partnership with TAFE Kumara as well uh, through the uh, job assist program. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're assisting them with the content creation for the new laser scanning course mm-hmm. that's going to start next year. And that has been like a, a great uh, partnership to be, to be able to, to work with those uh, organizations. They have, uh, they already like doing their parts like searching for industry, uh, find the opportunities to partner with and and develop great product, projects together.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think that's music to the ears of the listeners because whenever industry, it's a common pattern that I've seen every single industry professional that I've spoken with, it's almost like they're begging for schools to actually reach out to them and have that have that um, relationship opened up. So I'm very happy to hear that. What are your thoughts and advice for the teachers in general? Because they're... they're I think one of the most undervalued professions, the educator, they actually hold the power of the human capital, the future human capital in every society. Within Australia, I think the teacher is very underrated. They battle with a number of different challenges. Obviously, keeping up with technology is one of them. Um, Access to information and time, whole whole array of things. I can talk about that for a whole day. But knowing those things at a certain extent What's your advice for them, especially within Watkins Steel, steel fabrication context? And these technologies are being part of your day-to-day life. Do you have any advice for the teachers?
1: Totally. Um, I'm very familiar with this area because I used to be a teacher myself, and go. I know how challenging it is to deal with like a heterogeneous cohorts, like students with different backgrounds, different interests and how to stimulate them mm-hmm. and to to try new technologies and to yeah. invest in learning more about math, exercising, programming. Mm-hmm. And uh, because math is all about exercising, like programming, you have to practice it to, yeah. to get good at it, yeah. to understand where are uh, your weaknesses and invest the time to bridge that gap so you'll be able to do more and more complex stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, the, the good advice that I believe uh, I could share with the teachers is to look for the spark in the eyes of the students and stimulate them mm-hmm. to try to solve problems they're passionate about mm-hmm. and try to inform them about how they can apply math mm-hmm. into their lives, into mm-hmm. their everyday lives. How, how math relates to the problems that they face uh, at home, you know, uh, with their friends, and, and try to uh, stimulate students to use their knowledge yeah. that is acquired through the uh, learning process, yeah. yeah.
0: Perfect, and what about the students coming through? What's your advice for them?
1: Uh, for the students, like, my, my advice is find something that you're passionate about, invest your time in networking, uh, start your own project mm-hmm. you know, with your friends, Find a group of people that you feel comfortable working with Mm -hmm. and get started with something. Um, One very important thing for um, your future in work will be how you handle failure. Mm -hmm. And this is a process that can bring uh, great value to your life if you know how to deal with it. So don't be afraid of trying. Uh, This is your time to try, you're young, you have time to commit mistakes and you're going to learn a lot from the mistakes you're going to take so just find about find a a project that you're passionate about you know and get your friends involved get a group of people that you you are comfortable sharing your weaknesses Mm -hmm. and you're comfortable uh learning from and get involved in every single event that you see you know hackathons competitions and because that's your time to share the best you have and to learn from your experiences yeah
0: and I think that's um, exactly what you did you're actually living what you're advising because you started off the, your career going back to the beginning of the op- of the episode where you mentioned you simply approached them with your resume at the start and it opened doors for you into another world so I completely love that I feel like we can talk about this thing for days on days but if students or teachers want to learn more about it, how can they get in touch with you guys?
1: They can get in touch with us through LinkedIn uh, or watkinssteel.com.au in case they want to learn more about like our uh, bespoke steel capabilities. Uh, but in case of they're more interested in laser scanning, in advanced visualizations, they can also find us at holovision.com.au.
0: Perfect. Vito, thank you for your time. I've learned personally a lot myself and uh, looking forward to speaking with you more.
1: Thank you very much, Hashan.
0: Technology integration is the next iteration in expanding our human capabilities. Today's episode was just the perfect example towards the future of work and the future of education. So as you can see, the learning never stops. So till next time. That's it for today's episode. Now it's time to take action and build on the learnings to get inspired. First up, jump onto rashaansenanyaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes, links, and other relevant learning materials from this amazing episode. Next, if you learned something new today, click that subscribe button and set yourself up to receive live notifications on future episodes, as well as more opportunities to learn from our amazing guests, brands, and speakers. Last but not least, it's time to have your say. Join the conversation and share your thoughts and feedback on today's episode with a review, all while joining many others with a five-star rating for Inspiring Design with Rashan Senanayaka. Till next time.